At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Oh, it's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the VSIN studios here at the Circus Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. It is Odds On. Femi and Bebefe alongside Amal Shah here as we wrap up this week in sports. Make sure to tweet at us. We want to hear from you guys. Heard a lot from us yesterday. Make sure to hear from you guys at VSIN Live, at Amal Shah1 on Twitter, at Femi Abebefe. Coming up, we've got a great show over the next 60 minutes. Amal in and Femi's fire at 11.45. Amal went 2-1 last night. I went 1-1 one one miraculously. We'll get into that in just a bit. It's also NBA All-Star Weekend, so we're going to handicap tonight's celebrity game out in Cleveland. Just kidding, Amal. We're looking for some value in the awards and futures market as we only have about 20 to 25 games left in the regular season. That discussion at 11.15 in 30 minutes. Can't wait for this. Amal and I will put on our GM caps as we each pick two teams in the NFL and outline what they need in next month's free agency period. But first, Amal, how we doing, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. By the way, if we were really going to handicap the NBA celebrity game, I would have walked out. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I saw some off-the-grid markets that have saw uh, Quavo of the Migos as the favorite to win MVP of that game. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a police lineup if he was the only one standing in it. So Amal will not be watching the game, although it's in his uh, old stomping grounds of Cleveland. So a good thing for the city of Cleveland. Is that, is that who's hosting the All-Star game? That's who's okay. hosting the All-Star game. I think it was, uh, they said that we got to get this out of Atlanta. We got to get this out of these other cities that people actually want to go to. Well, and uh, we're going to go to the Northeast of Ohio. The last time it was in Cleveland, I think was 96, right? When they had the, yep. all, the All-NBA 50 team. I believe so. So maybe that's probably. That's, yeah, 75. Yeah. That's, that's actually a good point. I didn't even think about that, actually, uh, as we have the All-Star break. For the NBA coming up starting tonight, All-Star Game on Sunday. But let's get into stuff that actually matters. College basketball last night, Amal. Uh, Michigan, we saw them defeat Iowa 84-79. to The Wolverines get back on track. Uh, what did you make of that game out there in the Big Ten? Probably the marquee game of last night's slate. Impressive win, and I thought they needed that one in terms of their opportunity to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, big, big road win for them. They also had a road win at Penn State, so that's going to bode well for them as the selection committee takes a look at what their resume looks like. Not a bad loss for Iowa. Yeah, you're in a challenging league. You got teams like Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State. When you get a team like Michigan, who's middle of the pack in this league, you've got to be able to win on your home floor and to squander that game. You know, the one problem with Bram McCaffrey's teams that continue to plague them year after year after year is they play no defense. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great if you're in the early part of the year and you're playing against Zaga and it looks like you're going to score a million points and you got Luca Garza, but this team just quite doesn't have that. And defensively, you know, you could be a great offensive team 
But at some point in time, there's going to be teams that shut you down defensively. And if you can't stop them, then what do you do? Yeah, that's always the question for this Iowa team. And it almost comes up every time in March. It's like, hey, for some reason we can't hit shots. And then we lose to a team that we're clearly better than. In the Pac-12, a lot of the action was out west last night with the Thursday slate. Arizona, kind of a sleepy performance against Oregon State. They win that game 83-69. Beavers go ahead and cover. The Beavers shot really well in the first half from three in that game there. But uh, Arizona, there were 22-23 point favorites. Failed to cover, but they get the double-digit victory nonetheless. Yeah, I think Arizona has a tendency at times to play up or down at their level of competition. Uh, they're a terrific team, but sometimes it's hard to get up for certain opponents, and you see it with this. 24 is such a big number. Now, they're very capable of beating a team by that margin, but you alluded to it, Femi, really struggling tight first half at the McHale Center, and then they really get going. We saw that against Arizona State earlier this year. They were actually, I think, tied at halftime in that game. Um, no surprise that they were a little bit sluggish in this matchup. I think against Oregon, they'll play a little bit better, but Oregon coming off an embarrassing loss up in Tempe <laughs> at Desert Financial. Uh, let's see what they do now when they get down. They go down I-10. Yeah, that's, that was not a good day for the Ducks. But in March, they tend to peak. Dana Altman yeah. teams always play their best in March. But if they keep playing like this, there might not be a March for the Oregon Ducks. The West Coast Conference had a very good game last night between two tournament teams, and it didn't involve the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Kind of crazy to even say that. St. Mary's defeated San Francisco 69-64. Amal, you get the cover there, laying two and a half at home with the Gales in Moraga. And uh, what a performance for them last night with a big win over the Dons. Yeah, really nice job. Tight first half, and then the rest of the way, St. Mary's with a working margin of anywhere from four to eight points in the second half. So not under that much duress there, but a quality win against the Dons team that's really been good all year long. Saw them have a nice win in Provo. I know BYU's not as good as they've been in years past, but really gotten off to a fast start so far this year. Yeah, that was a really, really big win. We'll see if St. Mary's can come up with a big performance against Gonzaga. The second going around, the first going around didn't go so well for the Gales in that matchup, but that matchup not for another couple of weeks there between St. Mary's and Gonzaga, always the premier game out in the WCC. So Amal, you got that one. Last night's Femi's fire. Uh, we went head to head with San Jose State and Nevada. It was a rocking chair winner for you, a rocking chair loser for me. But like we said yesterday, I prefer it that way. If I'm going to lose the bet, tell me in the first 60 seconds that I'm going to lose the bet. And that's what we saw last night between Nevada and San Jose State. Yeah, easy game there for the uh, Wolfpack on the road. It wasn't a contest. That's the one problem with Tim Miles' team. They're just challenged offensively. I was surprised this number was so low. We've seen so many teams. Fresno go into San Jose beat them by about 20. This team got up to a pretty good start this year compared to what they were last year, but really struggled in league play so far. I can't believe I took those eight points last night. That was absolutely atrocious. However, in the positive bank, Amal, the Washington Huskies. Amal was making fun of Washington sports yesterday afternoon and said that, hey, we're a bunch of losers and da-da-da, but hey, you know what? On that night, the Washington Huskies were a great team because great teams cover, and through the back door were the dogs barking as they covered that 11.5-point spread. As down by as many as 23 in the second half, they only lose by 10 and getting a ticket home for your boy. Yeah, they were down 17 with a minute 26 left, <laughs> and they scored miracle. the final seven points of the game. So, hey, look, you know, if that's how you guys want to live, go right ahead. I, I'd rather just lose with a team like Stanford who doesn't get a field goal for 9.08 of the game. That's that's atrocious. <laughs> I mean, they had, they had an opportunity. This Utah team has struggled all year on the road, and uh, Stanford allowing them back in the game. But it was funny. I, I kind of stopped watching this Washington game. It was it was a huge margin. And then all of a sudden I see the final score lesson. I'm like, what happened? So I went back and looked at the play-by-play. I'm oh, like, yeah. wow. I'm like, 7-0 run with the final minute 26. I say, hey, boy, you are living well. You know me. I don't have time for watching losing bets. I turned it off. Like, I think it was 
late first half, I was like, yeah, after when, when the Trojans went on that run to end the first half, I was like, yep, this is not going to go well. Let me turn on a movie and just not think about this. Before I went to sleep, looked at the play-by-play and it said, God bless the Washington Huskies for getting that cover for me to salvage Femi's fire. We go one and one with last night's plays. Let's turn our attention to tonight's slate here, Amal. Friday is always kind of a smaller card for college basketball, especially as we get deep into conference play. A lot of the conferences play Thursdays and Saturdays on the West Coast and Tuesday, Saturdays over in the ACC and Big 12 and Big 10 in those conferences. But Butler and St. John's out there in the Big East this afternoon, this game tips off at 2 o'clock St. John's seven and a half point favorites total 141 and a half here between the Bulldogs and the Red Storm. Yeah, revenge spot here for Butler. They lost a game earlier this year at Hinkle 75-72. Johnny's really struggled in that game from beyond the arc, just two for 13. But I think this is a bounce back opportunity for the St. John's offense. I have not backed Butler in a lot of spots. I've actually bet against them, particularly on their home floor. Um, I, I don't like this number. I would probably wait if you're going to take Butler on an in-game opportunity. You'll mm-hmm. be catching at some point ten and a half or eleven and a half. I think Butler could struggle in this one. And then the Johnnies, if you don't, if you know, if you want to wait and see, and hopefully maybe the line in play, Butler jumps out to a quick lead. I think they're tough at Carnesecca, and they've been very competitive. But Butler inconsistent offensively. I think St. John's plays far better than they did when they were in Indianapolis. Yeah, no, I, I always like back in St. John's when they're at the Garden. And so they, they just seem to have like a little bit more juice whenever they play at MSG there. Well, and this one's going to be at Carnesecca Hall. Yeah. So just do a little bit different there yeah. in that high school like gym in there. Yeah, no, it's a it's, it, the elevating of the stage at the Garden is always a good one there. But like you mentioned, Carnesecca Hall for the game between the Butler and St. John's. A really good rivalry game here under the radar. Richmond and VCU. This is one of the better rivalries on the East Coast. VCU three point favorites, total 133 and a half. We saw VCU open at two. Now they've gone to three. The total also got hit up to the over, opened 130 and a half, now 133 and a half. What do you make of this market? Anything that's appetizing to you well, in this game? I didn't put it in the plays because it's a two and a half point move. I took the overnight at 131. It was, you, as you alluded to, open at 130 and a half. But if you watch the previous game between these two, I think it was 65 62, VCU winning on Richmond's home floor. But both teams really struggled to shoot the basketball in that game. Combined 31 turnovers in that one, 18 by the Rams. Now, the Rams have a propensity to turn the basketball over, but they're going to have to do a better job against this experienced Chris Mooney squad. Uh, They've got a ton of talent there. They just haven't really put it together. A couple of teams in the A-10 have been disappointing to me this year. Richmond being one of them, the other one, St. Bonaventure. Both of them extremely experienced. I thought they would have better seasons than they've had thus far, but I think they're going to be dangerous teams when you get into the A-10 tournament. Um, This is a tough game for me to call from either side. But I, I like this total over. I still wouldn't be opposed to playing it at 133. But now, mm-hmm. so when, it's actually at 133 and a half at other places. I see DraftKings got 133. But to me, once you start getting to three-point moves in a game where VCU at times struggles to score, excuse me, struggles to score, I don't want to take that type of play. If it's a type of matchup with Alabama against an Arkansas, <laughs> I'm not as concerned. Or an Auburn, they're going to go out and score. They might have a 100-point half, where I don't see it necessarily happening with these two teams unless we have a plethora of fouls or the turnovers, the live ball turnovers, and you have the opportunity to fast break the other way. Yeah, we saw that with uh, Alabama and Mississippi State the other day. Have you under 151, and then we saw a near 100-point second half in that game, unfortunate for me. But you mentioned the Bonnies. A lot of people loved this Bonnies team before the season started. They've kind of struggled here, but you still think that they can make a little bit of noise in March? They can. When you look at this team, Asuniyi in the post is so big, he's tough to shoot over, he gets you good rebounds, but really defensively is the key. Lofton can shoot the ball from the perimeter. They had the most experience of any team coming back this year. Mm -hmm. Everybody was a returning starter for a number of years. 
And I, I just thought this team would be far more effective than they've been so far this year. But the problem that's plagued them consistently throughout the year, they're around 30, 31% from the three-point arc. They've got to be better than that if they're going to have an opportunity to make a push in the A-10 this year. They've struggled at times away from home and didn't expect that from such an experienced team. We'll see what happens. We've got about 30 seconds left. A tight game in the Big Ten between Maryland and Nebraska. The Cornhuskers, two-point underdogs at home, total 145.5. Yeah, no play here. I think Maryland should be able to win this game, but Nebraska has at times been competitive, and towards the latter part of the season has been even more competitive than they were early on. So I'm going to stay away from this one. Hoiberg's team got that win against Minnesota at home. Yeah. This is an opportunity against Danny Manning's team right now who's really struggling throughout the year for consistency. I was on the Golden Gophers that day when they got their first Big Ten win of the season, and uh, it was a pretty... Pretty, pretty easy one there for the Cornhuskers. Dominated Minnesota all night long. On the other side, NBA All-Star break is here, so we look for a little futures and awards market value in the association. It is Odds On. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back to Odds On, coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino. Femi Bebefe alongside Amal Shah. We just broke down the college basketball card. We're going to put on our NFL GM hats in about 15 minutes. Really looking forward to that segment. But let's talk a little NBA. We've arrived at the All-Star break over in Cleveland. All-Star game coming up Sunday night. Regular season doesn't resume until, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday of next week. They got that extended All-Star break there, and it looks like a lot of teams are going to need it based on the health of some of these contenders, but let's talk about the game first that we saw last night in the Eastern Conference. The Philadelphia 76ers defeat the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee, 123-120. Big night there for the Sixers, and they were led once again by Joel Embiid. Yeah, I thought it was a great bounce-back opportunity for them. They were catching six, six and a half on the road. They got embarrassed by Boston at home, and generally speaking, anytime you have a team like this in the, in the NBA level that gets embarrassed like this, 
and we're talking about not including the Houston Rockets and the uh, Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder type of teams, you know they're going to have an opportunity to be able to make a push. And so uh, they did last night, and a tremendous job by them to be able to win that game on the road. Yeah, and you thought that the final sequence there from Milwaukee wasn't really uh, the, well, the best of execution. Yeah, I think they were down four, and they had the ball. But if they had scored quickly and gone for two instead of forcing a three-point shot, mm-hmm. they could have uh, put themselves in a position where they could have defended and then got the ball and tried to tie it up or potentially win it on a three-point shot. But instead, they, kept on, they got an offensive rebound, and they put the ball back in, but it became too late to where you had to foul. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about the NBA MVP market yesterday, talking yeah. about the straw poll. Joel Embiid really had a really great performance to close out the games before the All-Star break here. 42 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists for Embiid on 14 of 21 shooting. That sounds like an MVP to me. Giannis as well had a strong game. 32 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, and a block for the reigning finals MVP. But let's look at the Eastern Conference as we're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. Right now, to win the East, the favorite over at DraftKings is the Brooklyn Nets at plus 230. Then you get Milwaukee at plus 330. 76ers plus 350. The Miami Heat plus 550. They're the number one seed right now. The Chicago Bulls after them, 14 to 1. Boston, Better odds than the Chicago Bulls over at 11-1. to Anything that stands out to you in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think Miami, right? They haven't been fully healthy. We talked about Tyler Hero being out the last few games. They've played about 58 games or 60 games so far. Hero's missed 12. Uh, you've had Victor Oladipo out of the lineup. Jimmy Butler's been dealing with injuries. So it's been a consistent situation of injuries that have plagued this team. And, you know, when you look at their record right now, an opportunity to get back on track. Yeah, no, this Eastern Conference, to me, it's – Let's wait and see what these teams look like once they actually get healthy. Philadelphia is going to get James Harden back after the All-Star break. Brooklyn is going to get Ben Simmons back at some point before March, we believe. Uh, So let's see what this kind of looks like for a couple games before we uh, dive in to this market. On the Western Conference side here, you get the Phoenix Suns plus 170. They are the favorites in this conference. The Golden State Warriors plus 200. Utah Jazz plus 650. Memphis Grizzlies 11 to 1. Anything piquing your interest out West? You know, not really. I think Phoenix, Golden State are two teams for me that are going to be the ones to beat i don't buy the jazz quite as much maybe as some other people do so we'll see what happens the rest of the way with this team um I, i'm just not buying in on them lakers 18 to 1 no <laughs> it's, just, it's just a tough uh, situation for the lakers team they're likely going to have to go the path of facing a phoenix or golden state in the first round who knows what anthony davis's status is going to be like once we get to playoff time right now he's going to miss at least four weeks is what the reports are saying with a foot sprain there so a uh, tough sledding for the lakers for the NBA championship market here in Mall, this one's just rather interesting because we have the Phoenix Suns at plus 425, co-favorites with the Brooklyn Nets, the Golden State Warriors plus 450, Philadelphia 7-1, as well as Milwaukee there. Anything that jumps out to you in terms of the NBA championship market? Um, not really. I mean, to me, I think you can select any of these teams that are dogs and have an opportunity to be able to win. Uh, they're all extremely dangerous, and so... You know, Miami 12 to 1. Milwaukee still looks intriguing at 7 to 1. I, I think it's going to come down to do you lose a player uh, out maybe for a game or two with an injury mm-hmm. longer than that in the playoffs? All those things are a factor. So if you like a dog, I think there's a pretty good opportunity this year. 
it's interesting because we see the Phoenix Suns right there at plus 425 as the favorite. Golden State plus 450. And the Warriors are, there's a good chance they're going to be the two seed. Maybe they're the three seed. Regardless, they're going to likely have to go to Phoenix and win a game in Phoenix to get to the NBA Finals. So it's almost surprising that you see them at plus 450, knowing the path that they have to go to is going to go through the Valley of the Sun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to be a challenge. Uh, Phoenix. You know, having been there last year, I think helps them a lot. Obviously, Golden State, we know they have the past experience, but with the Suns, that should bode well for them as they try to navigate the Western Conference. Still out on Boston? Yeah. <laughs> come on, give me a break. Amal did not come up with the 538 computations <laughs> for our friends over there at 538 who believe the Boston Celtics have the best chance. I believe at 21% it was. Yeah to win the NBA championship. Uh, don't ask us how they came up with those numbers because we had no part well, in that making. Well, they won nine in a row, but before yeah. that, you know, they were sitting at 25 and 25. I mean, just all of a sudden in a nine-game sample size out of 59 games, uh, I mean. A little on. aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> a little aggressive. Let's turn our attention now to the individual market. Discussed MVP yesterday. Rookie of the year, though, Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Looks like he has a kind of a stranglehold on this market over at DraftKings. Minus 500 for the number three overall pick in last summer's draft. Cade Cunningham, the number one pick, plus 750. Scotty Barnes as well, plus 750 over there in Toronto. Josh Giddy's had some really nice games. 11-1 to out there in Oklahoma City. It's just, just kind of Mobley's award, and the only thing that can prevent it is maybe injury? I would think so, but also remember the way the Cleveland Cavaliers have played. You mentioned Giddy, but Oklahoma City, what have they done? It's hard to yeah. justify a player on a team that's really struggling. Guys can put up statistics when their teams don't play well, but when you've got an opportunity like Mobley's team is, I think it makes a huge difference. We've seen the impact he's had. Defensive player of the year probably is the most interesting market outside of most valuable player of the year. Give Rudy Gobert is the favorite, plus 180. He's won the award a number of times. Draymond Green's plus 200, but currently Draymond Green is hurt. We don't know when he's going to come back for the Golden State Warriors. Giannis Antetokounmpo, really intriguing to me at plus 450. Jaron Jackson Jr., who's gotten some momentum for the Memphis Grizzlies at 7-1. to Mikael Bridges, 15-1. to Joel Embiid, 18-1. to But I really like Giannis at plus 450 because I'm not sure if he's going to win MVP, and maybe the voters want to give him an award for having a heck of a season nonetheless. Yeah, it remains to be seen. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a complete crapshoot at this point in time, and I think that's where taking the longer odds probably benefits you because I don't think it's clear-cut. It's not like certain years where you've seen it and mm -hmm. you just go, hey, it's going to be this person and there's nobody else really. Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. got a lot of momentum. I know Jonathan Von Tobel, our guy, hosted the Hardwood Handicappers here at VEASAN. He's been really behind this push of Jaron Jackson Jr. as being a guy that could possibly be a defensive player of the year because that Memphis team, you mentioned it, yeah. translating to winning. They've been winning a lot of games. Now, he's not the sole reason why they're winning. Right. They have Ja Morant and some other nice pieces as well, that young team. But Jaron Jackson Jr., nonetheless, a really big part of that Memphis Grizzlies team. Most improved player, speaking of John Morant, he is the favorite at minus 450. Miles Bridges, plus 600. Darius Garland, 12 to 1. And then DeJounte Murray at 16 to 1 in this market here. Is this just John Morant's market and uh, nobody else has a chance? Yeah, I, I would think so. You have to look at what he's been able to do so far this year and where this team is at. I think you really have to look at him as the guy in this particular spot. Yeah, no, John Moran, I mean, he's being talked about as an MVP. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to win the MVP award just based on where things stand right now, but uh, John will probably be the MIP by years. And Coach of the Year, Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns, a lot of people thought that he got robbed last year when the award went to Tom Thibodeau of the New York Knicks there. Monty Williams now, his team has the best record in the league. He's minus 250, the favorite to win Coach of the Year. J.B. Bickerstaff out in Cleveland, what a heck of a job that he's done there. Plus 320. 
feels like a two-horse race. Maybe Taylor Jenkins, you can make uh, an argument for Memphis or the best against the spread team this year in the NBA. He's plus 600 to win this award as Memphis has kind of been the surprise team of the league at this point here. But anything uh, for you, is it just Monty Williams and J.B. Bickerstaff? Or do you think Jenkins has a little bit of an argument? Well, I, I think actually Bickerstaff's got an argument here. I okay. mean, you know, this is a Suns team that went to the finals last year. I, I look at Cleveland. Where were they? They were nowhere to be found. They've really turned it around. <laughs> in the lottery. Yeah, and remember, Garland's also been injured at times, so I think it's been impressive in terms of what they've been able to do. Do you put any stock into, because Monty Williams didn't win it last year, and now Phoenix is going to be a 60-plus win team. of like Because usually it's the team that has the turnaround, like you mentioned with J.B. Bickerstaff, picking number three last yeah. year, now a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. Do you think that the voters will recognize that, or do you think they're going to lean on, hey, we probably did Monty wrong last year, let's write that wrong, and give him the award this year because his team is going to have far and away the best record in the league. I have no idea. I mean, guys like Dan Levitard don't vote for certain players for the Hall of Fame because they want to make a stand. I don't, I don't know who's going to be rational and who's going to be irrational, so I couldn't quantify it one way or the other. That is the tricky part of betting into these awards, Marcus. You don't know who's rational or who's irrational. Sixth man of the year, real quick here, Tyler Heroes, the going-away favorite at minus 1,400. He's averaging 20 points a game. has been terrific for the Heat, and with the way the Heat have played, you would expect it to be him. All right, I know Amal has been working on his big board for free agency. We're going to put our GM caps on to talk all things NFL free agency on the other side. It is Odds On coming to you from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VEASAN all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit VEASAN.com slash madness to sign up today. We're at the halfway point here of Odds On, coming to you from the VEASAN studios at the Circa Resort and Casino. Femi Bebefe alongside Amal Shah here. And this is going to be a lot of fun here. We're putting on our GM caps because the NFL season just ended, but we're about a month away from NFL free agency. Crazy enough as that is here. We're about to get the ball rolling back again for 2022. So Amal and I have now picked out two teams that we want to put our GM caps on to identify some areas where they can improve their roster for the next year. And Amal, I will let you kick things off here with the two teams that you discussed. And to start off, I want to ask you why you chose the two teams being the Las Vegas Raiders and the now Washington Commanders. Well, I look at the Raiders and they have a ton of experience, but if they could just add a piece like a Devontae Adams at a receiver spot, Mm-hmm. Or defensively, if they can just upgrade a little bit at the linebacking or the uh, secondary position, I think this team can be dangerous. Remember, they missed on a couple of first-round picks in Cleveland Farrell and uh, Damon Arnett. Uh, Arnett was an absolute reach, and it didn't work out particularly well. Farrell, too. Yeah, and so, yeah, number four, they drafted him. I think this team's got an opportunity if they improve defense. I know they're in a highly competitive division, but I still think with the running game that they have, and I would make the argument they probably have the best running game in the division – uh, with Josh Jacobs, uh, Denver's pretty solid, but I, I would give it an edge to the Raiders there. Defensively, they can get a little bit better. They've got an opportunity. I mean, today's NFL, it's about offense. You've got a big-time tight end in Darren Waller, great third-down possession receiver in Hunter Renfro. Zay Jones has been a good target and a good safety valve for Derek Carr when necessary. I think this team can be dangerous. And if you could add a true number one like Devontae Adams, potentially, that would be huge for this team. 
And then the Washington Commanders, I think when you look at them, they're a quarterback away from being a real challenger in the, excuse me, in the NFC East. Because as wide open as has been for Dallas last year or was last year, I think this team's got an opportunity. Their defense can't play worse than they did. Chase Young was completely non-existent in year two. He'll be back healthier. He should be more impactful than he was in the first seven or eight weeks of the season. But to me, uh, I, I like this Washington team. They've got some pretty decent pieces. They seem to play hard for Ron Rivera. They're in games that sometimes you don't expect them to be in, and then they squander mm-hmm. opportunities in certain situa- situations where you wouldn't expect them to do that. I'm looking at both of these teams over at DraftKings. Their odds to win next year's Super Bowl are 50 to one. You get the Commanders at 50 to one, the Raiders at 50 to one as well. I really like that you picked an NFC East team just because, like you mentioned, that division is a little bit more wide open than people yeah. are giving it credit for. Dallas uh, is is a really good team, though they should be the favorite going into next year here, but they're not really some sort of juggernaut that uh, has the. Uh, the rest of the division looking to kind of look ahead to maybe two years from now in terms of competing. You can go ahead and win that division. Also, we've never had a repeat winner. We haven't had a repeat winner in that division since 2004. So that goes to show you what the flux has been with these organizations where they haven't necessarily been the most consistent of organizations here over the better part of about 20 years or so. So Amal, you like the Raiders and the Commanders, and you want to get a guy like Devontae Adams. What's the pitch for Devontae Adams coming out here to Las Vegas? Well, first of all, the state income tax is a huge boon in terms of eight of the 17 games, because remember next year, the NFC team's hosting the additional ninth home mm-hmm. game. And also when you look at it from a Raider standpoint and Devontae Adams, he played with Derek Carr in college. He's, you know, he's from the West Coast, so it's an opportunity. And, you know, with Green Bay, the last two years, the opportunities that they've had, having home field advantage throughout the playoffs, uh, hosting the NFC Championship game two years ago, and then last year losing the game against the 49ers, is this team really going to be able to get back there for a third consecutive year? Reminds me of what the Saints had the opportunities the few years, uh, you know, where they lose the game against the Rams in the NFC Championship game, and then the Jared Cook fumble, similar situation in the divisional playoff game. So, um, or that might have been wild card weekend. But the reality of it is, I don't know if Green Bay can necessarily, they have the talent, but can they put it all back together for another run? It's hard to be able to do it year after year, be healthy. I know they had some injuries on defense, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go that smoothly. Yeah, no, the Packers on the surface look like a pretty clear path to win the division again. But like you outlined, the NFL stands for not for long. And just like that, you can easily find yourself with injuries and not winning the division out there in Green Bay. So the state income tax is a very, very nice selling point for some of these guys. And that what leads me to the first team that I selected for my GM team. This is the team I'm going to take over, and it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, it's a very appealing when you take over a team that has a ton of cap space, the number one overall pick. They have the number one overall pick in last year's draft, who was a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who we all believe is going to be a really good player. And they play in the state of Florida, where there is no state income tax as well. Jacksonville 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl at DraftKings, 60 to 1 to win the AFC. But here's how we're going to improve them, and we're going to improve them by going big game hunting. I like the big names in free agency because they have the big cap space, starting with wide receiver Chris Godwin. Godwin played his first contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really good player. Was probably Tom Brady's favorite target outside of Rob Gronkowski last year and this year. He's an excellent player entering the prime of his career at 26. Good chance he's not going to be able to re-sign with the Bucks after he played last year on the franchise tag. Now, he's coming off the ACL tear, which is a little bit of a scare for me, but not 
enough to scare me away from giving him a big deal. Reports suggest that it was a clean tear. He should be able to be good to go going forward. And every young quarterback needs a safety blanket. And how about giving Trevor Lawrence a safety blanket of a really good slot receiver, probably the best slot receiver in the NFL in Chris Godwin. The next player I would target is a little older, but I still think he's got some juice left in the tank here. And that's guard Brandon Sheriff. He played for the commanders over the last seven or eight years or so. And He's a free agent because he's played on the franchise tag. They don't want to give him the long extension. He had a little bit of injury history, but I think that his stability and his veteran ability, he's been an all-pro before. He's been a pro bowler before. They really need help on that offensive line for Jacksonville to protect Trevor Lawrence, getting a guy inside because you're probably going to look at offensive tackle with your first pick here in the draft. Maybe you get an Evan Neal. Maybe you get an Iki Aquanu or whoever you want to go, Charles Cross. Whichever tackle is your flavor, you can go that route. And Brandon Scherf can almost kind of help mentor that that tackle as you try to revamp this offensive line to better protect Trevor Lawrence. And then my third guy that I would like in free agency is Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson is the best cornerback on the market in free agency, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, brings a winning attitude and culture coming from New England, which Jacksonville desperately needs after what we saw in 2021. Also 26 years old as well, so still has a lot of good football left. He's going to come at a high price, which is probably why New England's not going to re-sign him. But I think J.C. Jackson can help this secondary out there in Jacksonville. So give me the three high-priced free agents because we have Trevor Lawrence on the rookie deal, and we want to try to maximize that. So with Lawrence on the rookie deal, I'm going big game hunting. Chris Godwin, Brandon Scherf, J.C. Jackson. You know, the only problem with bringing in Brandon Sheriff is the fact that you're already playing, paying Andrew Norwell very well mm-hmm. for a guard. Uh, but if you're going to go with a tackle in the draft, then you could look at somebody there uh, it's going to be interesting. The problem I have with Jacksonville right now is they have just too many holes across the board. A lot of holes. And so it's going to be difficult for them to necessarily rebuild fairly quickly. So we'll see what happens with this team moving forward. And usually when you see all the cap space, it's because that team hasn't drafted well. They haven't given out second contracts to guys who they picked in the first, second rounds. So that's why you see a team like Jacksonville have $56 million in cap space because they've been horrible at drafting here. But also one of the reasons that I was kind of attracted to Jacksonville as well is the AFC South. I mean, Tennessee won the division the last two years, but they're not a juggernaut team. Indianapolis has questions at quarterback. Houston has questions throughout the entire organization. Nobody really has a stranglehold on that division. I think that if you are able to hit on some of these free agent pieces and in the draft, you can turn this thing around rather quickly, especially if Lawrence takes a big leap in year number two. The second team that I'm picking is the Dallas Cowboys. It's my favorite team. And it's also a, a kind of a harder challenge about having to turn around this team because right now the Dallas Cowboys $21 million over the cap space over the salary cap I should say so it's going to be a little bit difficult but they're 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl plus 650 to win the NFC and here's what I would do for Dallas and it starts with first of all I didn't even have this on the list but it starts with restructuring Demarcus Lawrence's contract Lawrence is a cap hit of 27 million in 2022 you can't have that you got to either restructure him or worst case get rid of him but he has a you don't save that much if you were to cut him this year so you got to find a way to restructure his contract but once you restructure him maybe Dak, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin get those guys restructured so that you can get under the salary cap you got to go defensive tackle because they need to protect those linebackers better in the run game and get a bit of more of an interior pass rush as well that's not reliant on Micah Parsons 
just destroying guards. Also, a linebacker would be nice because you need a reliable off-ball linebacker so that Parsons can focus on pass rushing a little bit more because that's where he's most dynamic. And then a cornerback because you can never have enough cornerbacks. Just ask the 2021 Baltimore Ravens, who last year entering the year had the best secondary in the league, and all of them got hurt. So anytime you can get a cornerback, you got to do it for the Dallas Cowboys. But these are not going to be big-name guys. These are going to be kind of second, third-week free agent signings because there's not a whole lot of money there for Dallas. Yeah, one of the problems right now, though, in the NFL is the cap next year is going to be $208 million, And you're paying a guy like Dak what you're paying. I think it's, what, $40 million or something yep, like that? Yeah, he's a $40 million cap it, or $34 million cap it, but it keeps increasing. Yeah, and the problem is unless you've got an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, or a Russell Wilson, to me, paying these other quarterbacks that kind of money, it, it just cripples the rest of your team. You just can't build around them. We saw it in Seattle. You know you covered the team up yep. there. You look at this team, they win a Super Bowl because Russell Wilson was on a rookie contract. You're able to pay your defenders. Once you had to pay Russell Wilson, the team just became an average football team. Yeah, no, that's the tricky part of the NFL. It's do you let the guy go or try to find the elite guy? But the elite guys are also hard to find. Yeah. There's only about three to four of them that you can pay confidently and be like, we're still good because that person will cover whatever holes we have on the roster. So those are the teams and how we'll fix them. Free agency is just a month away, and we'll see what they actually do here and how it will affect the odds markets in the NFL. On the other side, Amal and Femi's Fire, we wrap things up here on Odds On. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCast designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCast in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. It is the final segment of Odds On coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Bebefe alongside Amal Shah. It is a Friday, February 18th. And Amal, it is time for Amal in. Last night, we had a really good night for you. We're going 2-1 and one there. St. Mary's being your nightcap action. And uh, what's on the card today? I didn't play uh, put a play up there, but I had taken VCU over. It was at 131. It's at 133 and a half now, so I don't want to give out a game that had a two and a half point move, but um, I thought that was a pretty good spot for them. I didn't really like too much of the game, too many of the games this weekend, so mm-hmm. or on Friday, so I'll be looking forward to tomorrow. I think one game to look out for tomorrow at the Bud, Arkansas uh, at home against Tennessee. 
They're always tough at home. I like them in this particular spot. Probably going to be a short favorite in that one. Yeah, Tennessee coming off of that massive win over Kentucky. They looked really good. I think they went off as two-point favorites against the Wildcats at home. Ended up winning that game by double digits. So, Amal, you like that over, but not really giving it out as an official since yeah. the line has moved a couple points. So, no Amal in for you guys. And that's actually no Femi's fire either. The extinguisher has been put out here for a Friday because like Amal, Saturday is the day for college basketball, and that is where my attention is. So the, the card today is a little small, and uh, nothing really jumped out to me in terms of appetizing, in terms of a little bit of value here. So no Femi's fire for you guys today. Went one and one last night there with the Washington Huskies getting that miraculous cover, getting inside the 11 and a half points there, losing by 10 against the USC Trojans. So no plays between the two of us. You're eyeing that Tennessee-Arkansas game for tomorrow. Any other games that you're eyeing in college hoops that the folks can maybe put a little asterisk next to once those lines start to populate in about an hour or so? No, but uh, I haven't seen, I uh, haven't paid too much attention to some of the matchups, but the other one was Michigan State at home against the Illini. Uh, a revenge spot here for Sparty, and then also a revenge spot for Texas at home against Texas oh, yeah. Tech. So just a couple of those to pay attention to. Also, Ty Ty Washington probably going to be out for Kentucky tomorrow. Uh, just uh, pay attention to that if you're looking at betting the Alabama game. They're going to be at Rupp tomorrow afternoon, so should be a pretty good one there. That Texas-Texas Tech game is one I've circled. I'm like, the way we saw Texas Tech just bully them in Lubbock, Chris Beard made his return to Lubbock there, and it was an absolute buzzsaw, probably the best home court advantage that we've seen over the last two, three years or so, just because those fans absolutely wanted blood on the court there, and the Red Raiders played like it as well, just like absolutely, like I said, bullying Texas there, and the Longhorns looked a little rattled all throughout the game, so we'll see how they respond. The game being in Austin, probably not going to be the same atmosphere right. in Austin, maybe even get a little bit of Texas Tech fans in the building as well, but should be a fun game in the Big 12 Nonetheless, Amal, I wanted to ask you about what's happening in college football here. As we don't have any college basketball plays, we'll have we'll also we'll be we'll be on the show together tomorrow on Betting Across America. We'll talk a lot of college basketball, a little in-game action here on Visa, and that's nine to noon Pacific time tomorrow. So noon to three for you folks over on the East Coast. But college football, Amal, we just got the news this morning that there will be no playoff expans- expansion. I should say. Until at, at least 2026, they're going to go with the four-team playoff. Last summer, we saw the proposal of a 12-team playoff. The ACC, I believe, proposed an eight-team playoff here. What are your kind of initial thoughts on that? And then we'll get into kind of the betting aspect of that afterwards. Well, I've always thought this is a fairly simple solution. Go to eight teams. Take five teams, conference championship, uh, conference champion from each of the power fives. Take a group of five team and then two at-large teams. So you could potentially have a second team from the group of five. Or two other teams, obviously, whether it be a second team from the SEC and a third team or any other league. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty simplistic. I didn't understand the argument of going to 12 teams. And I do think the the uh, you know the discussion around that, does it dilute the uh, regular season in college football? I think it does a little bit. Really? But at the same time, the one problem that college football has is the preseason poll. And that won't go away because ESPN and all these other networks want to hype up a preseason game between Team X and Team Y and say, hey, this is number one versus number five or whatever. Like Ohio State opens the season with Notre Dame next year, and it's in Columbus. It's going to be probably Ohio State's going to open either two or three. Notre Dame will open in the top 10, probably top 12. So it'll be a hyped game just based on the rankings. But to me, that's a disservice to everybody else. Yes, Ohio State's got a ton of guys coming back. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, they should be ranked in the top three. Let them Mm -hmm. play a few games to see how well teams perform. If that's the case, then the one point I always argue is that if you're a defending national champion like Georgia, I don't care if they lose all 22 starters and they win every game by one point in going into week 10. 
if you're the defending champion, you should always be number one until you lose. <laughs> and so uh, I think the preseason polls hurt teams because teams that are starting at the back of the pack are unranked. They have a very difficult time because you've got to leapfrog so many opponents in front of you. It makes it difficult. I, I think the point that you brought up with the teams that are in the back, it definitely affects them. The teams like Ohio State, like if you do the rankings week three, there's probably still going to be number two, you know, because of the brand recognition and just because people are comfortable putting up an Ohio State at number two. But like you mentioned, like let's say like a Wake Forest of last year, a preseason team that like they're ranked really low and then they kind of have to win all those games to get up into the rankings. It can definitely help those teams from having to start from non-ranked then maybe starting at maybe 13 or so, and then you have a little bit of room to go up uh, later on in the season. You know, last year was an aberration. You had some 40 teams that were ranked that lost games. And and so you had a ton of teams that were ranked. But to me, the, the problem is, like, had Pittsburgh beaten Western Michigan in week two, I think it was week two, they would have been farther along and should have been really ranked up there in a position to be able to potentially qualify for the playoff had they mm-hmm. had the singular loss. But I, I just feel like it really favors the blue blood programs. It gives an advantage to Alabama, Ohio state Clemson for what they've been able to do in the last decade, Georgia. I mean, I saw some of the, I saw the odds on Georgia. I who, who the hell believes Georgia should be the second favorite to win the national championship. Nobody in Athens believes that. No. I, I mean, I, I can't even believe they put the odds this short. It's because they have the head start. Like you mentioned, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and look, they've lost too much talent on that defense. They play in a weaker sec East. If they played in the sec West, I don't think people would see Georgia the same way. I mean, they had a great year, but last year's last year. And to me, it just it's just a disservice. The Buckeyes are going to get so much credit for their offense for what they did against Utah, who was decimated in their secondary, and Jackson Smith and Jigba having a record-setting day, that all of a sudden they're going to be in the top three. I'm not saying they're not a top three team. I think they got a great shot to win the national title. But I think it's one of those situations where you prove it on the field. What's great about college basketball is Gonzaga opened number one. They lost a game against Duke. All of a sudden, everyone's talking about Duke. Then Duke loses games later on. Other teams have opportunities there. It's not yeah. necessarily prejudged in terms of where a team's going to fit in. You think that if we expand the playoffs to, let's say, maybe 10, 12 teams, it could dilute the no, sport I, of college I, football? It doesn't need to have 8 to 10, I mean, 10 to 12 teams. 8 is a max. 8 is simple numbers. You play yeah. three games, play the first four games on your home site. The team, like a 1 8, let's say it's in Tuscaloosa and they're playing whoever the 8 seed is, let them host that game. Reduce the travel because the, it gets expensive for everybody involved, including the universities and the teams. And then at the same time, um, after that, you, you have a Final Four scenario like we do already. I mean, these games don't sell out. It's not like people are going, oh, my God, you know, I flew down to Tempe or down to Glendale. I couldn't get a ticket, but, I, you know, I sat there in a bar and watched the game. Uh, to me, eight is the simple number. I never understood the argument for 12. It made no sense to me. Just more games, more money. Well, that's fine. I mean, we already know these guys are horse to the money. They got Monday games, Wednesday games during the week in college basketball. Stop with a student-athlete notion. You know what I've always said? This is my proposal. If you play football in the fall, you don't go to school. You can go spring semester and summer semester. Some guys do that. Well, no, I understand that. But, but yeah, what, no, what I'm what saying, saying is stop even pretending. Yeah. It's just, it's just ridiculous that they want to sit there. And we understand it's about the money. But, I mean, let's not make it that obvious where we don't even care about the student-athletes and the fact that these guys are ending up playing 16, 17 games. You know, it hurts them to a certain extent when they're trying to get to the next level. Well, I look at the odds because the the teams that you outline, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, those are the teams who are the top four on the odds board over at DraftKings. Bama plus 225, Georgia, like you said, plus 275, Ohio State plus 550, Clemson 12 to 1 here. So there's just such a barrier to even get into the playoff to where that it's like, 
don't know if it's hurting the sport of college football because we all love it, and it's probably the most, the second most popular sport we have in our country, but only behind the NFL here. But it almost, to me, is that like I'm a little surprised that they didn't expand it because expansion would have meant more money. Like they left millions on the table to stay with four until at least 2026. Well, the problem is the conference championship games are played the first weekend of December. You played this game. It's supposed to be like a bowl game played at the end of the month. Now all of a sudden you've got to squeeze another game in. What are you going to do? Push this into the fourth weekend of January, third weekend of January. I, I think you should just play in December. Play play the game in December. Like, because you think about it, college football after conference championship Saturday, it goes away until like the week of Christmas in terms of games that people are actually interested in. Yeah. Like those early bowl games is not really bringing people to the table here. Play it during those times. No, I don't disagree with you. But remember, a lot of schools, you've got finals going on. Yeah. So a lot of factors are involved there. Players have not had an opportunity to maybe go home and see their families. They've been at, you know, basically since August 1st at two-a-days, they're at their school and they're there throughout the course of the season. They may have a bye week and they may have that opportunity, but so many players live far away, mm-hmm. may not have that situation. I, I just don't see the need for 12 unless you just sit there and say, hey, listen, we really don't care about the student athlete. We're all about the money, which they are. Yep. But if I would at least respect that they came out and said, that's why I'm waiting for some guy when he signs a free agent contract in baseball. Go, well, why'd you sign with the Angels? Because Artie Moreno offered me $20 million more. Do you need any more answers to that question? <laughs> yeah, do you see how much I'm going to make? Yeah, that's why I signed the contract. That's a pretty simple concept. <laughs> it is a simple concept. We'll see how college football does this going forward down the stretch. But uh, like you mentioned, it's very top-heavy in the sport that we all love. That wraps up Odds On. On the other side, betting across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.